Well, good morning. Good to see you all today. Good morning to everyone that's online. Today we're going to be continuing our series called Done With Church. We surveyed and interviewed several people across the country, and we asked them, why are you done with church? What made you decide to part ways with your local church family or with organized faith all together? And we got a bunch of responses, and one of the responses uh, that we heard was, the church hurt me. The church hurt me. I am done with church because the church hurt me. And so today we're going to be talking about the subject of church hurt. And I just want to preface this by saying today might trigger some emotions for some of us. Some of us may hear this and it may evoke feelings of trauma. It may evoke uh, feelings of pain from our past or even from our present. And if you want to talk with someone here about those uh, pains that you've experienced, I want to give you a resource. You can go to Ward at, um, oh my gosh, how am I blowing this? Uh, care at ward.church. Uh, care at ward.church. I want you guys to know that you can email that, uh, that email and they, there'll be someone there that can connect with you if you want to talk a little bit more. So that's care at ward.church or if you have another safe space uh, that you feel comfortable uh, sharing your, your, your hurts with. I just want to encourage you to process that with someone if something that you hear today triggers or evokes some past traumas. And for some of us here today, you might say, well, I haven't experienced any church hurt. I haven't experienced any pain. I just, I don't want you to check out because I'm pretty sure that you know someone that has. Uh, so before we go any further, let's pray. Uh, Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus name, uh, thanking you uh, for your word. I pray that you would speak to us today. Move me out of the way. Father God, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase and be made much of in the lives of your people. Speak to them. God, you know where they hurt. You know their past, you know their pains, you know their, their, their present struggles. God, and I pray that you just would meet them right there. May the, the seed of your word find fertile ground today. See, your mighty sons, Jesus' name that we pray, amen. We interviewed a young lady by the name of Kristen, and this is her story. Pay attention to the screen. What made you decide to be done with church? I started to look at things more um, human than Christian. So my father passed uh, unexpectedly, and he was a youth minister for my home church uh, in the church. Uh, we buried him, or we had his funeral and buried him, but no one from my home congregation in Memphis, Tennessee came. Mm. Not a soul. Wow. Um, and my family is very much, and I say my family because it's my entire family. If something happens with another member of the church um, to where that person needs us, we're there mm -hmm. without hesitation. If I grew up in this church and I look to you as my elder, my leader, my minister um, for the entire family, especially a family that was very much involved in tithe and did what they needed to do to make sure that as members we were doing the, the role or the work of, of the Lord to have something that huge come and play and no one that I look up to as a leader come to our rescue during a time of bereavement it was a hard hit for me hmm. um, I believe in action hmm. in any human um, aspect and if you're asking me to serve for your church, 
And if I have a dire need and I am the church, according to the Bible, I make up the church, not the building, then one of your your sheep needed you. Hmm. Even when, you, when I didn't say it, it should have been done. That human yeah. aspect is missing when it comes to church, especially when you grew up in the church. Their mindset is that you're still a child, not realizing that I'm an adult. All right. Kristen, if you're watching, thank you for sharing your story with us and being vulnerable and bold enough to share what you have experienced. I want to give us a working definition of church hurt. So let's take a look at this. Church hurt, the pain inflicted by religious institutions that distances sufferers from their communities and from God, regardless of intent. That last line is very important. The pain inflicted by religious institutions that distances sufferers from their communities and from God, regardless of intent. Maybe you have experienced this. Maybe you've even caused this. I'll be honest, I've both experienced this and I've also hurt others. As we were doing these surveys, we went around and uh, interviewed people and uh, asked them questions about why they were done with church. And as I was inter interviewing an individual, they said, yeah, Terrence, I experienced church hurt from you. Didn't expect that. Uh, this individual who I love dearly said, when you moved to Michigan and left our hometown of Memphis, I felt very hurt by you. I felt abandoned by you. I was not expecting that uh, when I went out to survey individuals, but that's something that I had to take myself. Didn't try to hurt this individual, but that decision that I made hurt them. We don't always intend to hurt people, but it says regardless of the intent, sometimes we can hurt others. And when you get close enough to people and allow yourself to love and be vulnerable, you can and dare I say will be hurt. For myself, I experienced church hurt for the first time uh, when I was um, in my early 20s, late teens even. I'd come to faith at a church, was baptized at a church. It was right in my neighborhood, in my community. I grew up in a, a neighborhood called Whitehaven. It's a neighborhood in Memphis, Tennessee, working class community with some pockets of poverty inside of that neighborhood even. And our church decided to move to a more affluent suburb. It was a fast-growing church, um, had a lot of interest about it, and people were driving from that more affluent suburb to, to our neighborhood in the city, and the church decided to move, and now if we would continue to attend, we'd have to drive some 40 minutes to go to church. As a young man at the time, that just was very hurtful to me. You know, are we not good enough? You know, we thought we were your people, and as a young man, at the time, I was, I was very hurt by that. Now, if I could have had a conversation with them, if they would have allowed me to sit in that elder meeting, I don't know, as a, as a young man, maybe I would have understood the reasoning behind that. But all I know at the time, as a young man, I, I was hurt by their decision. It, it's like they abandoned us. They left our community. So I, I, I've experienced it myself. And friends, I have, I have <laughs> more painful stories than that, but I won't share them with us today. Not because I feel like they're inappropriate or wrong. I'm, I'm just not ready to share everything. But I'll say this. The most deep pain that I've ever experienced outside of the death of my father 
It's the pain that I've experienced in the church. It can hurt. I've had moments where I've said, I'm done. I've went to God and said, I'm done, God. And God has said, God has said back to me, no, you're not. But I've had those moments myself where I'm, I'm tired of giving. I'm tired of loving. I'm, I, I'm tired of being vulnerable. And some of you guys might be there. So if you're on the fence today and you feel like that, or if you're there, I'll just say, I get it, okay? I, I get it. But I want, I want to share this quote with you from someone called, named C.S. Lewis. He said this. He says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will be wrong and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Your heart, that is, it will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. To make ourselves open to anyone at all is to be vulnerable. See, our hearts, our hearts are delicate. They, they are, whether we want to believe it or not, easily broken and more fragile than we would like to admit. And when we give our, our hearts to someone, when we give them access to our hearts, we're taking a risk. Love and security are, are enemies at times. You can't have both. You can't be completely, completely safe and, and be able to love. You have to risk something. And, and for some people, they gave their heart to the church, and this happened, right? There was a fracture. And now they're saying, I don't know if I'm willing to do that again. I don't know if I'm willing to go through that again. And if I take another risk, maybe that'll happen. And for some people, that's what happens. And, and we begin to associate pain with the place, and we take our heart and say, no, 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 never again. Never again. I might even show up to church. I might attend, but I'm not getting in too deep. And, right, and so we show up uh, half-hearted, and we, we don't fully engage because, no, 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 never again. This is never happening to me again. And as we've talked to individuals, that's where a lot of people are these days. As, as we ask them, why are you done with church, it's because I have to protect my heart and I just don't know if I can trust a place of faith again. It's just too big of a risk. I can't allow that to happen to me again. So, you might be wondering, especially if you're on the fence this morning, and we interview individuals and they told me very directly, Terrence, don't use this series as a way to get me to come to your church. I don't want to come to your church. I'm done with church. And I can say, hey, I hear you. I hear you. And so they're like, well, what's your agenda then, pastor? What's your agenda? Are you trying to uh, get me to join your church still or trying to get some money out of me? Now, here, here, here's, here's my agenda for you. All right. Everybody has one. Here's mine. I just don't want you to lose heart. If I have a, any agenda this morning, it's that I don't want you to give up on God. All right. I don't want you to give up on God. I don't want you to give up on his people because though some of them have hurt you, we, 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 we need each other. And I pray that you find the right people that you can trust and that can love you well. So I don't want you to give up on God. 
I don't want you to give up on his people. I don't, I don't even want you to be half-hearted, right, showing up guarded. I want you to uh, experience God's adventure for your life, the things that he's called you to do and be a part of. That's my hope for you. I, I don't want you to lose heart, but I also want you to be wise because if you step back in again, and I hope you do, I want you to be equipped uh, in how to engage others and how to be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. But I don't want you to lose heart. Here's my hope for you. I want you to be healthy. And this is what God wants for you. So if you've experienced some pain, take some time. Get, get the care that you need. Set the proper boundaries that you need to set. You might need to separate yourself from a place or a thing or a person that's caused hurt to you. God wants you healthy. He wants to mend you. So your health is important and is valuable. You know, God wants us to be equipped to be able to engage in the spiritual battle that this life just is. So he wants you equipped. Uh, he, he, he tells us to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. He wants us to be aware. Yeah, there, there are some people that, that have bad intentions. As long as we're breathing and walking around this earth, they're just gonna be around and we have to be wise. I wish I could snap my fingers and say, yep, there's no way possible that no one would ever hurt you and there are no evil people left on the planet, but it's just, it just is what it is. So we have to have an awareness my, my prayer for you, and I believe this is God's hope for us, is that we will be resilient, that the things that have happened, if that's you, if that's your heart that's been shattered like that, that you would be able to bounce back, that God will restore you. He wants to heal us. Uh, he wants to meet us in our brokenness, in our broken places, and restore us. He finds us like a little, like a shepherd finds a little lamb broken. He wants to pick us up, put us around his shoulders, and walk us back home and mend us and tend to us. And I pray that you would be resilient as God ministers to you in your broken places. And ultimately, my hope is that you will be transformed, that the broken things and people that you encounter in this world wouldn't make you bitter, but they would make you better, that they would make you more like Christ himself. Uh, that, that God would use the pains and the situations that you have gone through to, to, to polish you and to make you more like himself. My prayer for you, friend, is that you would not lose heart. Do not lose heart. And I believe that's what God wants for you if you're feeling that pain and that brokenness today. So I just want to look at different kinds of pain, right? You treat different kinds of pain in different ways. Right? Some of us might have experienced discontentment. Right? I just don't like this. I could find something better. Right? Some of us experienced, have experienced that in church, and maybe we're looking for perfection, right? And so that's not going to happen. You're not going to find a perfect church, right? You're not going to find a perfect preacher. And if we're looking for that, we're going to never be content, right? The pastor's too young. The pastor's too, too old. The pastor's too loud. The pastor's not <laughs> loud enough. The worship leader needs to have be able to hit this certain range. They need to be soulful, but they also need to be class. It's too much, right? So you're never going to find this perfect place. Uh, so that's discontentment. That's not what we're talking about in this series. But there are some real kinds of hurts. And as we've uh, looked around, we've seen a couple. One is a relational hurt. It's a relational hurt that takes place in the context of a safe relationship. But the other one is one called an attachment injury, right? And this is when a relationship is not safe anymore, right? In a relational hurt, 
I hurt you, you hurt me, but we still have some trust and some safety left in this relationship. In an attachment injury, something happens where I don't feel like I can trust you anymore. And it's going to take a lot more than an IOU uh, to get this thing back on track. It can happen, but it's just going to take a little bit more work. So let's look at a relational hurt. Just a basic relational hurt. Uh, A disappointment that takes place in a secure relationship that does not compromise trust or safety. Let's give some examples of that. What are some examples? Feeling unseen, feeling unheard, uninvited. Hey, some ladies in my small group went out to coffee and they didn't tell me about it, but I saw it on Facebook and now I feel some kind of way. I feel like maybe I'm not in the in crowd, right? That can be a relational hurt. Or I don't ever get asked to lead. No, I feel like people don't see my gifts around here. I don't ever get asked to lead. Or I always get asked to lead. I'm tired calling me. I feel like they're just trying to use me, right? So those are some relational hurts. Feeling overworked or used, uh, maybe some changes that happened that you're not too uh, happy about, some kind of uh, change that took place, and you're not happy about those uh, culture changes or programmatic, programmatic changes. These are the things that if we have a secure relationship, we can talk about them. We can work through them. This isn't necessarily in my opinion, a reason to leave the church. And as we get to the word, I think it's going to be more than my opinion, by the way. I think God wants us to be able to work through conflict. He gives us a road map for this in Matthew 18. I want us to look at Matthew 18. This is Jesus' road map for how to handle conflict in the church, right? So if you have one of those relational hurts, there's still trust, there's still safety in the relationship. We still can work through this. And this is what Jesus says. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Now that might be a little difficult for some of us. Some of us who are conflict averse, Uh, Some of us who may not feel as comfortable using our voice, the idea of going to them and telling them anything besides something that we think will make them happy might be very difficult for us. But God has given you a voice and he wants you to use it. He's given you a voice and he wants you to use it. And there's a good chance that unless you speak up and let that person know that they have hurt you, they will never know that they hurt you. Uh, and what will happen is if we don't do this, if we don't uh, go and point out the fault, what tends to happen, not always, but what can happen is we take that pain and we just take it somewhere else, right? And so instead of telling the person that they hurt us, we might be tempted to gossip and tell someone else. We might be tempted to slander and tell someone else. We might be tempted to go on Facebook and just send out a loud rant, and people are like, what's wrong with him today? Like, where did that come from? Well, that, that, that pain, that hurt is building up and it has to be released somewhere. And the best thing we can do is before it gets too intense, before it gets too hot, we have to use our voice and just let the person know. And just between the two of you, if they listen to you, and this is the victory, and this is how we want it to work, right? If they listen to you, you have won them over. Can you imagine that? Uh, the ladies went out for coffee, didn't let you know, and you like, hey, um, I saw you know, I felt kind of hurt by that. Can you tell me more uh, about that situation? And maybe, just maybe you guys can talk and you find out it's not that they're against you and they don't like you. It's it's maybe it was something. But anyway, maybe you can win them over uh, if you just have that conversation. It says, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Basically, if you guys can't work it out one-on-one, 
bring someone else to the table. Get some more eyes on the situation, and maybe we can come to some kind of resolution. If that doesn't work, uh, verse 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Essentially, if someone is continuing to hurt you or hurt someone in the church, and if um, you have talked to them, you've brought some other people in to talk to them, you even had church leaders and people of authority talk to them, they continue to hurt and, 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 do, and do not repent, then we need to set some firm boundaries. Some very firm boundaries need to be set, right? So that's a, that's a relational hurt. That's something that we can work through. But if they continue to hurt, maybe if they continue to hurt you or hurt others, maybe we're slipping into something called abuse. And that's what an attachment injury can look like. Let's look at an attachment injury. It's not always an abuse, but sometimes it's a situation where I've allowed myself to be connected to someone or a group and I've, and I've allowed myself to be vulnerable and they have done something that has compromised trust and safety. This is, not, this is more than missing out on an invite or not feeling like people are acknowledging your gifts and seeing you. This is when a person does something that compromises trust and safety. Uh, an attachment injury is characterized by abandonment or by a betrayal of trust during a critical moment of need, trust, and safety are compromised. I think as we listened to Kristen's story earlier, she felt like this. She felt like in a moment of need, uh, no one was there for me. My father died and no one from the church showed up. We've always served and, and given ourselves to this church and I felt like no one was there for me. And because of it, I don't know if these people really care about me, right? I don't know if these people really care about me and trust and safety are compromised. I wanna look at some other examples of this kind of thing. And these are very serious, physical, spiritual, and emotional abuse. If someone is putting their hands on someone, and I know this is a very thing, a real thing that people have experienced. If someone is uh, abusing someone, spiritual abuse, using their spiritual authority to uh, hurt someone else or emotionally abusing someone, and then, then the, the quality of the relationship begins to decrease. Uh, then I began to wonder whether or not this person or these people really care about me. Then trust and safety are lost. Things like moral indiscretion, stealing, things like that. Man, I don't know if I can trust you. Let, let, let's continue. Uh, gossip, slander, misuse of sensitive information. I told you what was going on between me and my spouse, and now 20 other people know about it. And the only person that I told was you. That type of thing, trust, safety, compromise, things like abandonment. And so these are some of the things that can happen in a church. And I'm here to say, if you've experienced this, my I'm sorry, probably can only do so much this morning, but I'm sorry. If you've been in God's church and, you, and you've experienced this kind of pain, man, God sees you. God cares about that. And I just want to spend some time looking at this in his word. Uh, sometimes we experience this uh, pain through an institution. Sometimes we experience it through an individual. Uh, regardless of where we experience it, 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 can always, it can always hurt us in a real deep way that's uh, hard to recover from. And so as we look at Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, 
uh, God is speaking to the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. These were the kings of Israel. Uh, at many times, uh, he, he appointed even religious leaders in Israel. And he entrusted his people to them, but they had been abusive. Uh, and the people even had been abusive to one another. And God is speaking now because he is not okay with how his people are being treated uh, in his flock. And so... It says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. So in case anybody thinks that God doesn't care about the pain that a person may experience in the church or God doesn't care about what's going on. No, God absolutely cares. And in this letter, he makes it known. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In other words, this is God talking. I see how my people are being treated and I'm not okay with it. And so, woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not the shepherds uh, take care of the flock? I've given you a great responsibility to care for my people. And it seems like more so than uh, using this opportunity to care for them, you're using this position to care for yourself. And that's very heartbreaking when, when we see this happen in real life, when we entrust ourselves to someone and instead of them caring for us, uh, we feel hurt and used by them. And this is what God is saying, I'm not okay with that. I, I made you a shepherd over my people to care for them. Shouldn't you be caring for the flock? Let's continue. It says, you eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But once again, you do not care for the flock. That is why I've given you this role. Let's continue. In verse 4, it says, You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. In verse 5, uh, it says, You have ruled them harshly and brutally, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. Once again, my sheep wandered all over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep. These are God's people. And he's letting it be known that I've entrusted my people to you. Can you imagine allowing someone to uh, babysit your children? You go out for the evening, you babysitting your kids, you entrust a babysitter uh, to your kids and uh, your, your kids are, are, are with them and, and you expect the person to care for your kids, feed them, get them to sleep at night, all that good stuff. Well, you come back home later that night, the door is wide open, first of all. You walk home, okay, the door is wide open when you walk through the door and then the, the babysitter seems not too bothered by that. He or she is sitting on the couch eating Doritos, uh, FaceTiming a friend and they don't seem too bothered by the fact that the kids are lost and gone and they haven't went after them at all. This is how God feels in this scenario. These are my people. They're scattered everywhere. They're not fed. You're feeding yourself, and you seem not to be too bothered by that. These are my sheep, God says, and I care about them. And one thing we can infer from this, he says, and they were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. No one. Can you imagine that? Your kids just scattered everywhere, and the person's not bothered. God cares about his people a lot. So if you've been hurt and you're wondering whether or not God sees you, no, no, no. God sees you and he cares about you a lot. And here's the hard word. He will hold leaders accountable for how they have 
treated his people. That's why uh, when I was younger and preparing for ministry, uh, someone said, do you really want to be a pastor? Because you're going to be held accountable at a higher level. Do you really want that? And someone uh, asked me, they said, you can do anything else to do that. Uh, it, but if you really feel called to be a pastor, do it. But it's a high call. And I, I would even say, if you've been entrusted to lead children in a nursery, that's a high call. Those are God's children. If you've been entrusted to lead middle and high school students, to lead a volunteer team here, when God has entrusted you to be a shepherd, he's entrusted you to some people that he cares about a lot. Uh, let, let's continue to the next passage here. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. Let me say this. There are some leaders that need to be held accountable and we see stuff in the news and the media every day and unfortunately those are the ones that make the headlines. But there are some solid good churches still. There are some men and women who are pastors and leaders who really love and care about their people. There's some good churches out there. Uh, but we have to be able to, to find them, of course, and identify them when we do uh, find them. And I've, I said this in the last service, this is not a pitch for you to join War Church, right? This is not the gotcha moment for that. But my hope for you, especially if you're on the fence, is that you will be able to identify a healthy church. And so here are just six questions you can ask when assessing a church. Let's go to six questions to ask when assessing a church. The first one is, what does this church believe. Like, what does this place believe, right? And you can go to the statement of, a, of beliefs on most churches' websites, and you can find that. Like, what does this church actually believe? Who's in charge, right? Who, what is the leadership structure here? Who does the pastor report to? I have a bias towards elder-led churches. This is an elder-led church, meaning that we have a, a church that's led by a, a group of elders and leaders, so it's not just one person, and then we even have another layer of accountability above that, and even another layer of accountability above that, and so being that we're Presbyterian, we have a bias towards that, right? Uh, but if you, you go to a church, and the pastor said God like beamed him in his sleep and woke him up and told him to start that church, and he reports to no one, here's what you do. You get the keys, and then you get the kids out the nursery, start the car, and go home, right? If he said, if he just felt like God he, he or she should be reporting to someone. Another question asks, what is celebrated, right? Is it just the pastor celebrated? Are numbers what's celebrated, right? What, what's, is the church just patting itself on the back all the time? Is the church just celebrated? Let's go, to, let's go to number four. Is Jesus the hero of the sermon, the music, and all the other worship elements? Jesus should be celebrated. Is Jesus celebrated in the sermon? Is Jesus celebrated in the singing? Is Jesus celebrated in the liturgy and the other elements? Is Jesus celebrated? Right? A church doesn't exist for itself. It exists to glorify Jesus. So that's a question to ask. Um, do you feel like you can say no? Like cults take away freedom, by the way. Right? If you feel like you can never say no, you always got to do something, and they back you into the corner, and you're you're evil and sinful if you don't agree with everything that they want you to do, right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is. Somebody been to Sunday school out there. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, all right? That means that you should have some choices, right? If you're backed in the, uh, if you're backed in the corner, you ever, never feel like you can say no, that's probably a place to get out of. And lastly, who knows this church? Like, are they connected to a network or denomination, or does anybody with any credibility know this 
place. All right, so these are some questions to ask when assessing. But sometimes hurt can come from the actual congregation and from other members. And, and therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Let's continue. Because you shove with a flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away. I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. And I will judge between one sheep and the other. In other words, there are sometimes bullies even in the congregation. And God says that's not okay. God opposes the bullies. There are some people trying to impose their will on the other. I don't know about you, but if you want to see the papa bear come out of me, then bully my child. And it's probably the same for you. And that's how God feels about his children. He doesn't want anybody bullying his kids. He's the ultimate shepherd who loves and cares for his kids, and he will defend and protect his flock. And that's what he's saying in Ezekiel. He says, I will make a covenant of peace with them and eliminate dangerous animals in the land so that they may live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the forest. I will make a safe place for my kids. And God is saying, I'm removing the bullies. I'm removing those who impose their will on my people to hurt them uh, because that's the kind of God he is. I just want to give you four quick tips on how to engage a bully if you encounter a bully in the church because unfortunately we can't get rid of everything. So every now and then you might experience a bully. Uh, I just want to look at four different kinds of bullies. One is the spiritualizer. This bully says, you know, uh, they take something and they over-spiritualize it. So uh, you mean you can't, you, can't, you can't volunteer for this event? I mean, are you really committed to God's calling on your life? Do you think God is pleased if you don't come to this? And they, and they try to impose, and we, we want people to volunteer. Like God has called us and equipped us with gifts. But if a person is imposing their will on you like that, well, God is not happy or pleased with you unless you volunteer at this or do that or show up to this or that. That might be a form of spiritual bullying. And the way you counter that is, the counterpunch for that is, trust your own reasoning and conscience, of course, while letting God's word remain your standard always fact-checking information against the Word of God. Uh, the next kind of bully you might encounter is a scorekeeper. I did something for you, so you should do something for me. Or the church did something for you. Remember when the church did that for you? Remember when we helped you out? Remember when we prayed for you? Well, now we demand that you do something for us. And the way to counter that is to do things with no strings attached. Once again, like, don't do things to get something back or vice versa. Always fact-check information against the Word of God. And then the other kind is the intimidator. If the church changes this or that program, then I'm going to stop giving. If you get on deacon or elder so-and-so's bad side, it's not going to work out for you. And when people get on their bad side, they don't really last long around here. That's a form of intimidation. And the way you deal with that, with the intimidator, lovingly set boundaries and distance as you need. And as we said already, always, always fact-check information against the Word of God. And then you have the patronizer, who basically says, you can't hear from God, only I can hear from God for you. And unless I check off on that, then you're not hearing from God, you're just hearing from something else. And I'm the filter from, for you when you hear from God. That takes away uh, your dignity, right? And the way you counter that is to uh, seek advice that empowers you, that, that doesn't destabilize you, right? You need brothers and sisters, not parents. And once again, always fact-checked information against the Word of God. 
And those are some ways that you can be equipped yourself. But friends, ultimately, the Lord is your shepherd. He's your protector. He's your provider. He's your healer. And if you've been hurt, he longs to give you peace. He longs to lead you beside still waters. He longs to take your wounded places and heal them. You can reveal your weak and fragile places to him, your tender and vulnerable places that have been hurt. You can give those to him. You can trust him. He is your shepherd. And I just want to show us this last passage here in Ezekiel. He says, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. You may say, why have I been hurt in this way? God, where were you when I was hurt this way? Why did you even allow that to happen? Why did you allow me to be hurt to begin with? Here's what I know, friends. There is no pain or darkness that you experienced that Jesus has not already faced and defeated. You can say to yourself, I will face no darkness that my God has not already faced and defeated. I will face no darkness that my God has not already faced and defeated. He's been there. He's been hurt by the church. Jesus has been hurt by the church far worse and far more than any of us. And he has not given up on the church. Because if Jesus were to give up on the church, that means he'd have to give up on you, and then he'd have to give up on me. And he's not done that. And my prayer for you, if you've been hurt, is that you would not lose heart. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus' name. God, thank you for your word, and I pray that you would heal up the wounded and God, uh, restore health where it's needed and just help those who are looking for a healthy church. I pray that you would help them find that and that they would not lose heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.